Hey guys, and welcome back to Married to India. Today we're going to be talking about my first visit to India ever and how that went. So excited to have you guys rejoin us again. And once more, for those of you who do not know me, my name is Amy Rigetti and I am Caucasian, married South Asian. I am in fact married to India. My husband was born and raised there, came to the United States in 1998, and that's when we met. Today I'm going to be talking a little bit about my first visit to India, how I kind of prepped for, went to, how it all turned out, and then um, a little bit more about the next episode is going to be arranged marriages. That for me is kind of um, my next step as my first visit to India was merely for the purpose of my uh, brother-in-law who is younger to my husband for his marriage. So it's going to move from visiting to in, from visiting India uh, in this episode number nine to the arranged marriages in India for episode number 10. So I hope you guys will be back and follow that one once again. So guys, just to tell you a little bit more about how I prepped for India, because I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. As you well know, if you have followed the podcast and in the last few podcasts, I've talked about um, a Married to India forum that me and Srinu had created. And this became my means of communication to people who were in similar situations, going through similar situations, have already been through them, to really get an idea of what to expect. Srinu was not, again, a, a wealth of information as to planning to go to India and what to prepare for, what to bring, what I needed, those types of things. So as we started chit-chatting in this group and I was asking you know, people were giving me information as far as like bring toilet paper. And I was, I, I never really gave that a second thought and I really didn't ask for too much more information. I just figured maybe the quality was a little bit different. Um, so toilet paper was like the top thing. People were like, bring toilet paper. And from 20 plus years ago till now, that advice has never changed. Unless you're planning to go and stay at a five-star hotel somewhere during your entire stay, um, you probably won't need that item. But those of you who are going and visiting family or having extended stays, um, definitely toilet paper is still um, on the top of your list. The other thing I was told to bring that um, I was formula feeding at the time, so formula that would last. Uh, there were other little things that... Um, they had said like mosquito bug repellent. Uh, I didn't know a whole lot about bug repellent at that time, but I did learn that it only lasts for a certain amount of time. And I do believe that the bugs in India are kind of immune to it. So while it was a great recommendation, it was absolutely pointless. Uh, so that's probably not one that I'm going to say is at the top of the list of things to take anymore. But those were like little things that people were letting me know about and at the time that I went to India, they did not have international calling from like your phone. You would have to go to like a call booth or a cyber uh, cafe or something like that. So it was very different in terms of once I got there, how I was going to communicate with my, my mom. My mom was very nervous about our trip to India. She's kind of Southern and she's not too worldly. So she really didn't understand a lot of anything and it scared her it absolutely scared her that I was going to leave the country and um she had never left the country before and for me to go the unknown was very fearful to her so lots of comments for my mom some was you know some some were just pure uneducated not knowing and as we all know uh all of us fear the unknown so 
we pushed through all that. We packed, we prepared. My brother-in-law was a bachelor at the time, so he went with very little, and we used his luggage weight to pack diapers and formula, wipes, all those luxury kin items that many people said you're not going to be able to really find that easily in India. And then, of course, we packed our luggage because at the time it was just me, Srinu Bradley, and Burjesh that went um, to India. Our whole purpose of going to India was to witness my brother-in-law's marriage. He did not have a girl picked out at that time. And the goal was he would go two weeks before us so that he could just meet people. My father-in-law and him did some traveling, um, a little bit of, I would say, interviewing, if you would, a back and forth between uh, him and, and girls and so forth. And then it was supposed to be finalized by the time we got there, you know, one who he would marry and the marriage was supposed to take place during the month that we stayed. So when we landed, well, let, let's, let's back up. I don't want to jump so far. So we booked tickets, three new book tickets. We took Air India. I know that anybody familiar with Air India is probably like gasping right now, but we, we took Air India, uh, three new booked those tickets through a tra- travel agent. We went to the airport to catch the flight. The flight had left early, which was like unheard of because anybody who's familiar with India, again, they all know like India in standard time and like okay it's okay if the airline is like on time but to be early is like what so um the, the flight wound up leaving and it turned into this like ridiculously almost three-day journey to get to my in-laws because we we the flight left early then we had to get on to another connecting flight and then another connecting flight from there and it just finally by the time I had gotten into London I called my father-in-law because we had another stopover once we landed in India and I was like if if you don't send my brother-in-law to meet us when we hit India we're just going back home you know by this point we had two young ones you know we're in family changing restrooms trying to like take sponge baths, if you will, wiping everybody down. I was low on formula, so I had to start thinning stuff out. It was just a miserable, miserable first trip. And my father-in-law at that time was like, Amy, please, please don't worry. Balaji will be there as soon as you guys land. I'll send, I'll send him there and then he can help, you know, for the next flight to get us into Hyderabad. And so that was what happened. Um, we finally landed, um, at the airport. My brother-in-law had greeted us. That when I stepped off the plane and we went into customs for me, that was like the scariest process having not had that kind of influence or feel in the U S when you, um, fly, it was scary. You know, there are armed gunsmen. Everybody's very stern and serious looking. There weren't really a whole lot of welcome smiles and that was intimidating. Um, but when we had came to grab our luggage, our luggage wasn't there. It was lost at that point. I'm like even more upset. I'm like sitting on the edge of this conveyor belt thinking this is just a nightmare. You know, I've got two, two young ones, um, tired, crying. It was just, it was probably a test of our, of our patients for sure as parents. But my brother-in-law had came in to the airport and I could see him. But as soon as he came in and I went to run to him, these guards kind of jumped in and they told us we couldn't, I couldn't go that, I couldn't go past that point that we had to get on a bus and transfer over. And he had to meet us over there. And I remember just fully crying because it was as if I was like so relieved to see him and then I couldn't even touch him. And so We had then uh, transferred over. My brother-in-law met us there. He was like a huge help with the kids and then uh, flew back with us for our last stop in Hyderabad and um, helped us get like 
all the luggage transferred over and we we get in the car and we're headed to, to my father-in-law's campus uh, at the time. He was working for Triple IT in Hyderabad and um, we had gotten on campus and I was so excited because I couldn't wait to see uh, my mother-in-law because she was at home waiting for us and we get there and they tell us today is not an auspicious day and I was like okay, well, what does this mean? And it was quickly explained to me that because it was not an auspicious day, I could not go as their daughter-in-law for the first time. I could not go enter their house unless it was an auspicious day. So now we've got like cranky kids. We were put into a guest house where they... they usually put like visiting professors um, on the campus there. And then we... When we walked into the room, it, the the most interesting thing is it's like this big bed and it's got like this mosquito netting wrapped all around it. And I was like, so I was so like in awe that, you know, my in-laws, at least since we weren't going to be able to go directly to their house, like how thoughtful they were that they, you know, they set this all up because in the U.S. when we like this this netting usually is like a very romantic thing. And so I walked in and the first thing Srinu said, (laughs) the first thing Srinu said was that mosquito net, that is for mosquitoes. And I was like, oh. And then I realized all the windows were open and that there really wasn't any screens. They were just like bars on the windows and the windows were open. So the fresh air was coming in and then there's like a AC unit you know, on the wall. And then I was so tired at that time that I didn't even think about the the bathroom situation. Right. So I, I went in and I don't even know that we had showered at the point. I think we just both collapsed um, and fell asleep. I don't even remember how I fell asleep. I just remember kind of a faint sound in the distance between Srinu and his brother talking. And I remember Srinu saying, shh, don't tell Amy. And the minute that I heard that, it was like, don't tell me what. (laughs) And I like sprung awake and my brother-in-law looks up and I look up and there's like these lizards and they like came in the room through the windows and I am not a reptile person. Like I can handle a frog, (laughs) but I don't want a lizard. I don't want a snake. I don't want any of that. Like I am petrified. And so at that point I was like, I do not know how this month is going to play out. And then I had gotten up to to use bathroom. My brother-in-law explained explained to me that, you know, our luggage was probably going to arrive the following day and that the airport was going to call once it was in. And I was like, so we don't have any luggage. And he's like, no, we just have the luggage that I brought, which had the kids diapers, wipes, formula, which was more important than anything, but I didn't have clothes. And I'm not a tiny girl. You know, at that time when I went to India, I want to say I was at my highest weight ever, which was 289 pounds at 289 pounds. I'm five foot 11. But that's still a big girl. And in India, you just don't go buy clothes off the shelf for tall people or heavy people. And so my mother-in-law was um, sweet enough to go out shopping. And she had bought um, a couple salvars for me to wear. But they were extremely tight. It was like it was like a big girl in a little suit. And they were short. So I had to make do with, with what she was able to get until we got our luggage. And then my mother-in-law had taken my sizes and she had some stuff custom stitched for me so that, you know, I didn't feel like I was like sucked into this, <laughs> this spank solar me. So, um, that was really how the first 
you know, step of us going to India. And then we had to wait again for an auspicious day where then I entered the home, you know, and there's so there's like a few procedural things that you have to do when you enter the home, um, as per their traditions. And then we stayed with my in-laws and the process began, um, at that time for my brother-in-law's marriage, because we had thought that by the time we would get there, a selection would have already been made prior to us getting there in India. We were receiving so many photos and, so, you know, Srinu used to try to explain this whole bio data thing to me. And the fact that we would get all these girls pictures, like printed pictures. And on the back, it would like have their stats, like their weight, their height, um, a little bit of family background, some of the things that they like to do. And that this was the process at that time that you get a picture, whether that was passed on from like somebody who knew somebody or a family member or a friend for these gentlemen to like look at and decide if it was something that that was interesting enough to them that they would take it to the next point of like just having a sit down chat um and then you know for my brother-in-law and again I'm not going to speak for everybody I can say that it's a, a very similar process for a lot of people that at that time again 20 plus years ago um at that time everybody said that was kind of the process. There wasn't like these big wedding sites or these dating sites and stuff. So uh, once you had kind of agreed, like you wanted to meet with that girl you met and then it was decided there wasn't like a courtship or you didn't go out on dates. Plus my brother-in-law was staying in the U.S. So there was, there couldn't really be too much of a courtship because he was here and she was there and it didn't seem all too practical. So when we got there, we had realized that my brother-in-law had met several um young ladies that it just, it wasn't working out. Nothing was really, um, where he wanted it to line up. He had some requirements and they just weren't being met. So at one point he was like, I'm not getting married. We're all going to be here and like enjoy our time as a family together. And so that's what we had thought was going to happen. And then quickly towards the end of our stay in India, it wound up being decided that, uh, we did find a match and that my brother-in-law's marriage would take place. But our whole travel, uh, to India was probably the most difficult of our whole experience there. I, I think that one of the things I learned when I was visiting India was, you know, my mother-in-law, when, when we went, we went to, um, we went out to like a couple festivals and then we also had visited family while we were there. And one of the things my mother-in-law used to always say, like we went to Shoparamam and then when we went there, they have like these Mendy artists that kind of sit on the sides of the street. My youngest at the time was so excited. She like runs to this Mendy artist and my mother-in-law is thinking, oh my gosh, because by the time my little girl got there and she was so excited, I think that girl knew there was no way my mother-in-law was going to like not let her get this done and all bets were off. So my mother-in-law could not negotiate with her. And so we learned very quickly the process of like letting my in-laws go ahead first so that they could negotiate things before people not only saw us, uh, because my mother-in-law used to say that as soon as they saw that we were Americans and that we were white, that her prices like went up double. Um, so we learned very quickly that there were just some places that we had to wait before we went into or that we didn't go into at all. Um, and then we, I, I think I learned that when we would go out and we would shop or we would go out and like see things, we, we kind of stopped the world, if you would, because we would notice that everybody was staring at us. And it was mostly because people, people didn't see white people 
there that much in Hyderabad at the time. And um, we would definitely cause cause a ruckus in the streets as everything just kind of stopped and everything felt like it went in slow motion. And there were even times that it became overwhelming because I would get in the car and people would just crowd the car as if I was um, some celebrity or spectacle maybe I don't know what you want to refer to it as but they would tap on the windows and I would have people just walk up just to touch me and that was probably like one of the most um uncomfortable oddest things for me was just somebody wanting to touch me um and in India when they when they go up to small children they usually will like pinch their cheek and take it to their lips as like that was like their way of kissing the kids was just pinching their cheeks and then taking it to their lips. That was like a very affectionate thing. We would get that a lot. And, um, it was at first it was, it was, it was tough to get used to, but then it became like a normalcy when I went out, it was like, okay, it is what it is. It's not like I can avoid it. But after we went out and we did certain things, it became, it became obsolete. I I just stopped watching people and what they were doing and their reactions. One time my mother-in-law had taken me to a gold shop and we were in there looking at jewelry. And I want to say, if I can remember correctly, it was con jewelers. And we had gone in there and the gentleman, super friendly, they had brought me out. Like they wanted to know if I wanted soda, if I wanted ice with that. Like they were just happy to have us in there. And my mother-in-law used to say, yeah, they're happy to have you in here because they see dollar signs. And so the gentleman was speaking to my mother-in-law. So they're going back and forth speaking in Telugu. And um, I could understand some of it. I don't speak it fluently, but um, with the older generation, because they typically don't fast talk and they don't um, slang talk, I can usually follow a good amount. But um, when Srinu is with his buddies or we're around like the younger generation, really can't pick up on the slang or really understand um, some of the things that they're saying, but that particular visit to this jewelry store, it was funny because he was asking my mother-in-law, so how is she doing here? How are things going? You know, is she enjoying the food? And then it got to the topic of like, you know, it was kind of a joke between like eating the food and then like a bathroom situation. And I just looked at him at that point and I was like, oh, you can, you can just ask me. And he just, his face like got so flush and he looked at my mother-in-law and uh, he had asked her, he said, oh, she speaks Telugu. And uh, my mother-in-law just like nodded her head, you know, back and forth in India fashion with a little smirk on her face. And it's funny because when my, when my mother and father-in-law originally, when we had met, they very openly spoke Telugu loud and proud in front of me. And they, they, over the years, you would, you, you saw this evolution of like speaking loud and proud to whispering to, leaving the room because they knew I was picking up. They just didn't know how much and they weren't sure how much. So rather than, you know, misspeak, um, they, they started taking it out of the room if they had something to say about me, um, just to avoid any possible, um, construed information, if you will. And I, I used to ask her, you know, um, sometimes when they were saying things like, what does this mean? Or at night I would go to, go to bed and I would be like, Hey, I heard this. Can you tell me what this word means? I really tried hard to look for resources online for Telugu as well. And it, even till today, there's no real resources. If you want, you could probably go to some of the local temples where they have classes that they teach it. But I really think that unless you're culturally submersed, you're not going to ever speak a language fluently. Um, so no, I have not learned the language fluently. It's probably one of my biggest regrets um, throughout all my years of being married. But I definitely, um, if the resources were there, I think that I would have given it my best shot to do so. 
And as we uh, finished up our trip to the jewelry store, it was closer to our end of our stay as we started hitting these places that we wanted to like knock out. Um, my brother-in-law had gotten information about another potential match. And this was days before we were about to leave for India. So um, it was decided that this was a good match. And both the family agrees that they would meet. And in this process of our stay, this is when it really took a turn because this is when I truly learned um, arranged marriages were not fairy tales um, that were created in some of these movies that we watch. Um, These are real things that take place and the caste system is real and um, dowry in India is also real. And um, I, I just got very interested in learning about the whole process of how it took place in India, just general population, so that I could really understand like what was transpiring as we began as a family to move through the um, selection slash interview process of my brother-in-law's arranged marriage, and then the whole traditions and processes that needed to take place in order to actually uh, be there for his marriage before we left India. So that, guys, would be episode number nine coming to an end. Um, I'm excited about 10 as I talk a little bit about my take on uh, the arranged marriage process and being part of it. And actually, you know, many people don't get to be on the inside uh, looking out. They are, they're always from the outside looking in. And for me, I was really able to see it, you know, as as part of. And that really opened my eyes a lot as to India's culture and traditions and why, why people think the way that they do. Um, things that before I was like, I don't understand that. Like, that's so hard for me to understand. But I think it was after that entire process completed that I was able to look around me at the world, not just the arranged marriage process, but the world and say, okay, that now makes sense. Like I can now begin to understand that it doesn't mean I agree with it or that I feel that that's how it should be. It just allowed me to broaden my understanding as to why things in other countries and things that I might have saw in the news, they just started to make more sense to me than they had ever before. Guys, I really enjoy you spending this time with me and listening to my podcast. And again, I hope you guys will take the time to subscribe, like, share, and of course, follow me everywhere.